We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to episode number eight of Fantasy Bites. I'm your host, Joe Bartle. We kick off a four-part NFL series with Jim Coventry, who breaks down three of the biggest questions for the rookie quarterbacks and their respective fantasy values, both for dynasty leagues as well as season-long formats. Everyone knows Joe Burrow is the sure thing, so we tried to stay clear of the Bengals quarterback for as long as possible, but he did ultimately sneak in when it comes to his fantasy value for this season. Friday, I'll be back with a different guest to break down the rookie running backs and their value entering 2020. Without further ado, enjoy. All right, so obviously the top quarterback prospect, Joe Burrow, it, it's kind of a slam dunk or thereabouts from a dynasty dynasty perspective, but I want to hear your thoughts. And I think it's probably the third most important question from the rookie quarterbacks from this class. Who is the better long-term prospect prospect in your mind, Tua or, or Justin Herbert? Number three. So I think first we talk a little bit about each of them, kind of go the pros and cons, and then we'll determine who the winner of the battle is. So let's start with Tua. So really talent to me isn't the big question, but durability really is. I mean, he's had surgery on both ankles and a hip during his college career. And now he's going to face NFL defenders and all the rigors that go along with that. So to stay healthy, he may need to cut back on his running, but for fantasy, he needs to run, but the double-edged sword is he also needs to stay healthy. So I'm very concerned that either one is going to give, he's going to get hurt or he's not going to run. Yes, he's an accurate passer, but is he the type of QB who can carry a team with his arm? Possibly, but I don't bank on that. He he threw really well at Alabama. There's no questions about his talent at the college level, but are you thinking that's more based off of the wide receivers and the talent that he had around him and the environment and situation that allowed him to succeed? It's very tough to figure 
a player out at Alabama. He has the best protection you're going to get anywhere. He has the best skill position players you're going to find. The, de- the defenses he plays have no chance to match up with any of that. So, A, he has time to locate receivers. B, they can't really double his receivers, at least all of them. So he can pick and choose. And so it that's why it makes it so tough at Alabama, because he has such an inherent advantage. And, and so that's why we don't know, it, you know, the chicken or egg theory, which is the main oh. driving force, right? Yeah, no, I mean, makes certain or complete sense. The chicken or egg, that is, that is a good point. And we've seen it with other Alabama prospects too. For every Julio Jones, we get an Eddie Lacy. And I know they're different positions, but that's kind of, that that's kind of the, the guessing game we get with Alabama guys, at least offensively, defensively. I think it's, it's a bit more cut and dry. And I know the injuries are what knocked two a down teams draft boards, but when you heard him talked about in most circles, it was accuracy and it was athleticism, but it wasn't world-class arm. I, I very rarely heard anybody talk about his throwing ability as being somebody more than an accurate guy and accuracy has its place, but in fantasy, the combination of if you're not going to run, then you have to be able to put up big numbers in the passing game. And I just don't know that that is the quarterback that he is. He may be more of the guy who's going to just keep the, you know, keep the ball churning, but I don't see him as a guy. If he has to put up huge numbers, I don't know that that's necessarily him. Okay. So give me the Justin Herbert side of this equation then. So, and, and we know less probably about Herbert, even though he played for four years, but what I like, first of all, six foot six, 236 pounds. So he could end up being durable because he is a guy that has speed and athleticism for his position. So he could be that dual threat quarterback and be able to take the physical rigors of that type of quarterback existence. So Josh Allen, but maybe a better passer, you know, maybe he doesn't run quite as well as Josh Allen, but it would appear at this point, he has more, in my opinion, accuracy than Josh Allen. So I think the two could be comparable. I think Allen has a bigger rushing upside. So, um, but I think Herbert isn't really far off of that. I don't think he's an elite passer either, but we're learning that in today's NFL, these hybrid quarterbacks are an emerging wave, not just for the NFL, but for fantasy. And I know we've had different periods in different decades where mobile quarterbacks have had different places, but it really seems like now it it may be something that may have some permanence to it. Okay. So we ran over the kind of the pros and cons of both two and Herbert. What's your end analysis here? The better long-term prospect at quarterback between Justin Herb, Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa is going to be who? It's going to be Herbert because I believe he's the one that can hold up durability-wise if he continues to run the football. All right, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. I personally would go with Tua. However, the part that you didn't bring up, in addition to all the all the concerns with Tua is I'm not sure what the dolphin system does for him. You talk about if he can't use his athleticism from a fantasy perspective. Okay. That's fair. I, I can buy into that. I'm not sure he gets the passing, um, the passing workload of a Matt Ryan or a drew Brees or someone of that caliber 
in, with the Dolphins, like Russell Wilson is a fantasy stud because he runs so often and still passes. If we don't believe Tua can do that, then it comes down to can he pass a lot? I'm not sure on the Dolphins that's the answer. Now, flip side, with the Chargers, if Herbert doesn't run, and we know his athleticism is good, but if he doesn't run, I still think he's got plenty of weapons and is in a system to be able to pass the ball. I'm not sure how many games the Chargers win with Herbert at quarterback, but I agree with you. I think kind of like Josh Allen, you can definitely get by with a top 10, top 12 quarterback fantasy perspective with Herbert. Yeah, I like that. I totally agree with that. Number two. All right. So the second biggest or second pressing question from the rookie quarterback draft class, who's who has the chance? And I think it's really hard to say, but who has the chance to be the next Kirk cousins from this, from this group? So first of all, with Kirk cousins, it's interesting because we look at the last four years of his career. Cause this is a tough question to frame in the last four years, fantasy points per game. He was 20th last year, 15th, the prior year, 12th in his last year with Washington and third in his second to last year with Washington. So he's been a quarterback who's been all over the board. But what I noticed with cousins is that when he was on a team with a great defense and didn't have to throw as much, his numbers went right along with him. So to me, Justin Herbert is that guy because the Chargers, although they rarely make the playoffs, they pretty much always have a good team. It's been injuries that have hurt them. And so I think Herbert's in this situation where if the Chargers play over the next number of years to basically the base they have both on defense and on offense, he may not be needed to throw the ball a ton which would kind of make him Kirk cousins and that he may end up being a better quarterback than a fantasy producer at times. Now we said earlier that running ability separates him. So out of this class of these three, I think Herbert could be the next cousins from that perspective. Interesting. And there's no other late round guy that you feel could do that. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, those types of players. It really is that the top three options and then kind of it. It's really difficult to state out that any of these other guys are going to get significant work at any point other than being a backup. I I don't see many of these quarterbacks having solid starter careers. Now over in Green Bay, it's another story, but that's, that's, (laughs) you know, we won't even go there. I ignore Jordan love for a reason. We weren't going to talk about that. That's fine. Yes. And we haven't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Eason would make the most sense if you were going strictly by fourth round and later kind of quarterback, but I'm not sure the Colts are in love with him. And from a prospect profile perspective, that's a lot of peas there. I'm not, I'm not enamored with Eason either. I don't think he's going to be anything special, but then again, Kirk cousins with a fourth round pick when they drafted RG three in the first round. So the Redskins weren't necessarily certain cousins was going to be great either. And it worked out situationally. So maybe that's what you have to look for uh, with Easton as the guy that takes over for rivers. I just have to imagine, especially with the quarterback market that we saw this past off season, there will be guys available in the event that Easton would have a chance to be the starter. And if there's guys available, I'm going to probably take whoever that is over Easton. I like that. I absolutely love that commentary on that. And I cannot dispute that in any way. Number one. The final question, I tried to avoid Joe Burrow as long as we can. We know he's an automatic. He's the slam dunk of this draft class along with Chase Young. 
but from an offensive perspective, it's pretty cut and dry, at least from a dynasty format though. Let's go to the season long. That's kind of where I'm interested from your perspective. How immediate of an impact can Joe Burrow have on the fantasy season this year? And when I say immediate impact, like what is, what is his ceiling and what is his floor for where he should be drafted and where he's going to end up by the end of the year? So I have a ceiling and a floor, but let me just give the rationale and end with that. So as you were mentioning season long for Burrow. So we look first at the defense and since he made some additions, they added three players that are secondary Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander and Von Bell. And they added a front four presence and DJ reader. So I think this gives them an adequate defense that should keep them in enough games that Burrow won't have to be one dimensional, which helps him. So I don't think there's going to be too many games where they're having to score 35 points. So in that's one thing, but that also means he doesn't the pass rush loaded up particularly for him and not worry about the running game. Zach Taylor, the coach, he should put Burrow in position to be successful. I mean, not only do they have Joe Mixon running the ball, they got, they're getting back left tackle Jonah Williams, who was on IR last year. They added a moderate right guard, Xavier Suofilo. And so now they'll have an adequate line, which helps Burrow as well. Finally, the weapons. So we don't know what we're going to have in AJ Green, but we know Tyler Boyd, Boyd's been an emerging presence the last couple of years. John Ross, we don't know what his role is going to be, but we know he's got the blazing speed. And then T Higgins comes in. So you add those players with the receiving chops of Mixon and CJ Uzama at tight end. He he's not terrible. He can do the job. So anyway, Burrow has a varied set of receiving threats. Now he'll have to throw enough to post solid fantasy numbers, but I don't think, as I mentioned earlier, because of their defense, he's going to have to throw enough to make him a fantasy star in year one. I also don't see him as a threat to run much. So um, my range for him Best case scenario is QB 12. Normal case to worst case is QB 18. I don't see him going worse than 18 overall. That's where I see him. Okay. And his current ADP, I think last I checked was around the 10th overall quarterback. There's the Josh Allen's of the world. Uh, You see Daniel Jones and Joe Burrow has kind of snuck into that uh, conversation. That's in best ball formats at the moment. That's what I'm basing the ADP off of. So he's a little bit higher by the general public perception than what you have him listed, although it's pretty marginal. But I do think it's common because over all these years of playing fantasy, rookies get a bump almost regardless of situation or circumstance. It's the new shiny toy. And especially players that are drafted in the first couple of rounds, they always get drafted higher than they should, except for running back that it's an oddity there. So that doesn't surprise me where I've seen Burrow, like you mentioned, go in the top 10 quarterbacks. I think that's a reach at this point because I don't think his ceiling merits that you are completely drafting him at his ultimate ceiling when you're drafting him there. Yeah, it's interesting. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes uh, were like the 10th and 12th round quarterbacks really the last two years, Lamar last year, Mahomes the year before that. So if you're going to take a risk and a chance on somebody, I don't mind it being Joe Burrow. Like I would rather take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen. I know what he gives you Allen 
with the rushing floor, but I still think he's just not an optimal quarterback. Maybe that makes a difference now or changes with digs around and with Daniel Jones, Jones got plenty of weapons and he certainly is able to uh, be enough with his legs to make a difference. But there's, there's a turnover concern too. So if you're in a league where Jameis Winston was one of your top scorers, fine. I'm, I'm totally okay with taking Daniel Jones, in the top 10, but of those three, I feel more comfortable saying Joe Burrow. I think they're going to cater the offense to make him effective. I mean, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. And I think the Bengals are going to really try to prove that he was worth that selection that that shouldn't necessarily apply to the narrative. But when these draft, when when these quarterbacks are drafted so high, I think you have to factor that in and Burrow's got all the talent. He can make all the throws. We saw when the offense was most efficient at LSU last year, what he could do. I still think that Burrow can do that. And the weapons that he has can replicate LSU enough where you're talking about a guy that gets at least 4,000 passing yards and maybe 20 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Like, I think that's the floor. And if that's the floor, he's a great uh, quarterback one at the end, or hopefully quarterback two for most teams. It's a fantastic argument you make. And I do like all those points. Just one thing I want to add in. Usually when a team is picking number one at all, they are usually complete trash. I don't think the Bengals are that. I think with adding those defensive players to some solid core pieces they have, I think that's going to make a difference because a lot of times the, the guy who's picked number one overall who starts, they have to score a ton of points every week. And so volume gives them a great chance. And I think this Bengals squad, and also, like I mentioned, those offensive linemen that you know they, they bring one back and they acquired one at free agency. I, I think their running game can really be successful. And if they can get some balance going here, they'll ultimately be a team that will be competitive. But I do like your points. Very hard to argue it. But I do think these extenuating circumstances do limit Burroughs pass attempts. Yeah, and that's fair. I think the one plus that you have to look at with Burrow is while it's great to see the Bengals uh, make forays into free agency for the first time. And it feels like decades. <laughs> I'm not certain the guys they went and got really make the defense that much better. And if the defense is as bad as it was last year, overall, how the Bengals were so bad, but if the defense in particular, they're going to have to pass. And I could see it kind of being like the dolphin situation where Ryan Fitzpatrick was a guy that in 12 quarterback or 12 team leagues was a quarterback one for at least a, a duration of the season. I think Burrow fits that mold, especially if the Bengals defense is as suboptimal as I think it could be again this season. So that's the linchpin. I like it. So wherever listeners believe that defense is going to fall is going to be a big argument point as to where Burrow should be drafted then. Yeah, that's, that's where I see it as. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we head off? Uh, no, not right now. I'm really just continuing to come to tweak with rankings. And other than that, because of the virtual off season, we normally have some tangible stuff that we could have been doing after typical OTAs. So it's just the most surreal off season in terms of fantasy analysis, that it's hard to bring up a lot of fresh content when we're not getting anything from external sources, right? Yeah, that's that's why we're doing this. The dynasty rankings here as best we can do and uh, kind of going over position by position by position for the next two weeks, uh, how the rookie class features in uh, for keeper and season long format. So, Jim, I appreciate you coming on. You can follow Jim at at Jim Coventry NFL on Twitter. Uh, he's got plenty of takes going on and you do a lot of uh, Twitter live kind of bits, too, which I always appreciate. 
I do, and I will be getting back to those quickly. With between the pandemic and the, the the social unrest we've had right now, it's just been very hard on my heart. It's been very yeah. hard time to be an American. And so, yes, I was doing some regular filming and I'll get back to that really soon, but I just really had to step away just because the world is really, really a bad place right now. Yeah, no, I understand. Say no more. Uh, but we look forward to having you back, having NFL back and, uh, kind of getting back to the regular, whatever the regular is in 2020. Thanks for having me, Joe. That does it for us on episode eight of the show. Special thanks, as always, to the Racing Pulses for lending their music, as well as Jim Coventry for stopping by to talk some rookie quarterbacks. Reminder, check in Friday for a breakdown of the rookie running backs. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? magnesium breakthrough from bioptimizers the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code balance 10 for 10 percent off support your journey to wellness at b-i-o-p-t-i-m-i-z-e-r-s.com forward slash balance magnesium breakthrough from bioptimizers your foundation to optimal health and vitality